Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast for another week where we'll dive into the news of this wonderful world of cycling that we all love. Uh, before we start and before I introduce all my guests today, I'd like to remind you that you can uh, download or stream this podcast on uh, sbs.com.au slash cycling central. And you can, of course, schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift. Uh, joining me in the studio, we go full house today and we start with Sophie Smith. Hey, Sophie. Hello. Uh, we've got uh, Pacho. Yep, it's good to be back. Absolutely. And then we've got Wes Salzberger. Hi, Wes. I'm good. Thanks for having me, It's Christoph. good to have you back, actually, because yeah. you haven't been here for quite a while with us. Yeah, I'm, I'm back back here now, so you can have a, a good chat and talk about uh, what's coming up. And there's a lot happening in Zwift, but also in the world of cycling. So we'll talk about all this. Let's start with uh, Tour of Flanders. Great race. What a race it was. Festival of the Duchies. It is. I just like that even the start pitches where the crowds, they're just sort of riling up the crowds. It's all part of it, I think. And then right at the end, my, I think my favourite part of Flanders of see was that photo of uh, Taylor Finney and I think it was Ryan Mellons like, ch- chowing down on uh, some fries just past the finish line. Mm-hmm. It's great. A lot of fanfare. I mean, that, that's a great atmosphere for a race. As, as an ex-rider, is is it one of the races that you know there will be someone from the start to the finish? There's a, no gap in the barriers. That and Paris-Roubaix, obviously. But what was fantastic was live coverage of the women's race and the crowd was really dense for the women's race as well, um, particularly on parts of the, the difficult parts of the climbs and also the race, and uh, particularly Quiramont. Um The race was brilliant in the women's, pretty much similar style of victory taken in both races. Actually, I wanted to, to talk about this because uh, for the women, Anna van der Breggen won it and for the men is Niki Tremstar. Uh, they both attack at 27k to finish and 28k to finish. That clearly was the point where the attack had to happen. Well, in the men's race in particular, because funnily enough, Quickstep was sort of on the back foot. And how were they going to get on the front foot? If they had continued with the tactics that were going forward, Sagan was probably the favourite to win the race, if not the breakaway to stay away. So the move from Terpstra, albeit a little bit uh, boring towards the end because he's just a solo breakaway and it seemed like he wouldn't get caught, it was the right move to win the race. And in the end, there was a lot of social commentary about is it a was it a very good race to watch? I thought it was unbelievable I think to it was watch. Excellent, to watch. but some people think that the way that Terpstra wins is boring because he goes solo and he gets these advantages that, in the end, the tactics that play out by the other major teams make it impossible to catch him. You know, there's some people are never satisfied. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing. But I mean, the question I've got here is that Terpstra came out with Nibali, but Nibali blew a fuse pretty much straight away. Did Nibali help Terpstra to win by helping him just to get out? We're all looking at each other. <laughs> well, no, I've got, I've got that question. Question. didn't want to be the only one that spoke. I don't yeah. think he did, no. no. I don't think Nibali even played much of a role at all in the race. It was fantastic to see his strength. Very surprising for me to see him um, perform as well as he did. But clearly I had a very strong plan. Um, his teammates all sacrificed themselves for him. Um, and in the end, he got a decent result, but it's all about preparation for how the weather and things like that and terrain are going to play a part in the Tour de France. 
We've spoken before about Roman Bardet knowing this is the year to win the Tour de France. Well, I think Nabali thinks this is the year also. So did he win the race for Terpstra? No, he didn't. Who who won the race for Terpstra? It was Nicky Terpstra. The way that he paced himself behind the lead breakaway riders to catch them on the climb so that he could pass them and get a gap immediately, that's how brilliant it was. He actually slowed himself down, if you watch the coverage back, on the flatter terrain. And people on the commentary, though, I think, saying, Matt Keenan was saying, oh, I think the gap's not coming down. The gap's not coming down. Robbie was also saying the gap's still the same. It's still the same. It's actually going out for the lead two riders, well, lead three riders. Then when Terpstra got on the climb, he just banked that power up and he really reigned supreme over, over the top. Then he went solo. But how was the ride by Mads Peterson? to hold on for second. That was probably the ride of the day. And also Gilbert finished third. He's won it uh, last year. And him finishing field, uh, third, happy for his teammate, probably slightly gutted. I don't think he was gutted. I think, um, I don't know about uh, you guys, but I think Quickstep have got this really, they call it the Wolfpack. And yeah. uh, it's about since the middle of last year, they started calling themselves Wolfpack. Seems like there's such camaraderie in the team that they are really, truly happy as long as the team is victorious. And speaking of that, HTC Columbia uh, in 2009 had 15 wins at this same time of the year. Quick step, 23. Uh, well, um, it's a remarkable effort as a team, and they're just happy to win. Uh, does Gilbert happy to for third? No. No, he wants to win. <laughs> I think you have to look at it as well. Like The classics have always been a traditional hunting ground for quick step. They're renowned for being good in crosswinds, and they're renowned for being good on the cobbles. doesn't mean they always are. This time of year is, is a big focus for the team and I think that's what came through as well it wasn't just Terpster racing on his own on at Flanders it was his team did a lot of work behind that and that experience culminative experience for the team and for the riders there and they know how to work in those conditions probably when Nibali fell short because he's not done these races that much before some big crashes as well uh, happened in the, both races like men and women um, do we know more about uh, what happened in a women's race as well or not uh, well, we know that Chloe Hosking is okay. She came out of it with bruises only, she said, and, yeah, a little bit shaken up. But she has travelled to the Gold Coast for the Commonwealth Games later next week. Um, so that's a good sign for the Aussies. Unfortunately, Mitchell Docker also, he, he was so unlucky. A rider had actually just changed line at the wrong time. and He was on the wrong side of the wheel. He had nowhere to go. Straight down, crashed, landed on a barbed wire fence. Anyone that, that was, was watching the coverage. That was and, painful to watch. You know, you could see the skin. I don't know if you guys saw it, but you could see the skin hooked on the barbed wire. <laughs> In the end, Mitch Docker said the pain was one thing. It was more the pain that he realised he wasn't going to finish Flanders. And it was a really important step for him to be supportive of Seb van Mark come uh, Paris-Roubaix. But uh, he'll race tonight. So Shelter Priest is on tonight and uh, Mitch Docker is on the start list. Okay. The consistency of Sagan is leading the world tour. It's just classic Peter Sagan, isn't yeah. it? He's always around, in and all around the mark. <laughs> so you talk about him yeah. <laughs> and he's consistent. So he racks up those world tour points. It's the same when he's at the but Tour de France. He doesn't been... have to win anything necessarily to win the green jersey. But he's been very vocal on, he's asking help for other riders to defeat Quickstep. Of course he is because he's losing. <laughs> and of course he is because he's Figure team. it out. Use your teammates. Use other teams. <laughs> it's part of it. Mm-hmm. His team's not very strong. His team has been uh, average at best to, to support him. And, you know, he is brilliant, but uh, he's not a Superman. And um, he certainly has got good legs. He showed that uh, on the weekend in Flanders. But he doesn't have what he doesn't have that ability at the moment because he, he's always chasing from behind. Mm. Um, he made the right move 
in Flanders, but he didn't have the legs because he blew up. He, he was in no man's land. And so I don't think he is uh, quite as good as what he's been in the past at this time of the year. He certainly doesn't have the backing of his teammates or the, them in the form that's required either. Uh, as same with GVA, Greg Van Avermaet. He's really struggling for that real uh, team support. Jurgen Rollins seems to have his own sort of um, desires and objectives, and that's sort of pulling Greg Van Avermaet back to the pack. Um, as far as Peter Sagan, he's not really impressing me, but we've really got a high expectation of him because he wins so much. Um, so yes, he leads the world tour, but f- for sure this year has, hasn't been a year that I sit back and in awe of Peter Sagan. In fact, probably, Yet. probably more in awe of, and I know, um, we've got Wes today, but FDJ and their desire to perform at another level for their leader, Arno Demar has been impressive. Thanks for the segue, mate. <laughs> You're a professional. Wes, we wanted to talk about this FDJ really riding. We were talking about a quick step and riding as a, the wolf pack. Yeah. FDJ have found a second nature riding together. Does that, as an ex rider for FDJ, does that surprise you? It, it is surprising for me because uh, when I was part of the team, you know, it was very, we were very behind compared to a lot of the other Anglo Saxon teams. You know, we didn't have power meters. Some of us were using them, but we had to purchase them ourselves. As far as that goes in the training aspect, We'd all sort of come together, but we never worked as a unit. I said to you earlier, Christoph, that we'd ride in the same jersey, but it never really felt like we were working as a team towards a common goal. Um, and now that's that's changed greatly. Um, you, know, you see, you know, with having that leader like Demar there, and then the team really rallying and believing in something behind them, they're sort of they're mimicking what what what's been done a long time, you know, coming for a lot of other teams. So they're finally catching up and realizing, you know, if they work together as a unit, then they can they can form their own French wolf pack and and really. You know, take a dominance there. French would back. How, yeah. do you, how do you say that in French? <laughs> Ooh, uh, I'll have to think about this. <laughs> but uh, what what are the targets do you think for FDJ this year? If you, if we look at it objectively, clearly some wins at the tour. Oh, the on, Tour de France. I mean, the team uh, you know, is, is always always existed for the Tour de France. I mean, you know, the French lottery. Um, yeah, for them the Tour de France is everything, and and when you when you get Mark Madio in a room like that's his passion, and that's what obviously the classics and Roubaix, he has you know strong love for those, but the Tour de France is the pinnacle of the sport, and especially for any French team. Keeping in mind new sponsor Group Armour on board as well, so because it's yeah. now fifty fifty partnership, they'll get a say in objectives as well. A rider that a lot of people may not be looking at is Rudy Mollard. Um, he's really going well. Top ten last night in uh, in Basca in in the Vasco, um, and he has been ultra impressive this year. Already showed some glimpses glimpses last year, but I think that's what we've seen at FTJ is they've started to build a team that's uh, no longer trying to win from breakaways. It's trying to win from the pack because they are good enough, and it also shows that. No matter how strong your full team list is, if you're willing to dedicate your team to a rider for one day and just say that's the one rider, you can achieve amazing results. And, you know, uh, we see the Wolfpack quick step do it often, but uh, in Vasco at the moment, they're riding for one rider only, Alaphilippe. Um, at at Perry Roubaix, it'll be for one ride only for FTJ. It'll be Arno Demar, and he's got a great chance to win the bloody thing. Wes, can I ask you with the French Wolf Pack? Mm-hmm. How much stock do you put in having power meters and adopting those scientific measures? I guess that 
you say the team are, are doing now? Is it really important to performance? Oh, don't Jeff, you can't race. Like, I mean, and the whole training aspect of it as well, um, uh, you know, of having having those parameters there so you can actually, you know, gauge your, your effort and, and start to step up, make sure that not just in the racing, but also, you know, prior to the racing, you you know, you have, have that process in place. And that was something that was just lacking. I mean, even, I mean, I think back when I did the, the Volta with FTJ first year, 2009, uh, I was racing with like Coddy's Cordial pretty much in the bottle. We, we didn't have any electrolytes. So during the racing, I'd swap with, um, with other riders, <laughs> the feed bags, and didn't tell them what bottles I had. I'd, and uh, I'd swap it over and grab some electrolytes, and I'd actually carry uh, in my um, pockets, I'd carry electrolyte tablets and drop them in. So I'm sure, well, I hope, I'm sure they are using electrolytes now. So that's how far behind the French team sort of were. So there's hope for coffee this. There is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what change for? Do you think is Mark Madios changed his vision? Is it is that where the change has happened? I, I think it was it was pushed to happen. Mark is very a very traditionalist, um, loves the sport, but yeah, it, it needed to change. And I think with a lot of um, I th- when I was there, Fred, Frederick Grapp, uh, the trainer, he was he was all for you know for picking up these these other things that were in place um, of all the other Anglo-Saxon teams. So I think they've they've taken that on, and obviously you can see now that they're working as a unit, um, and and that's you know, that's that's full benefit for FTJ. Okay, we touched a bit on on Roubaix. It's coming up this weekend. This is the class. I prefer. We, I think we established that uh, last week or last podcast. Um, what can we expect? One, first of all, the weather probably playing uh, a card. Is it going to rain or not? Does it always touch and go over there? Changes every day. Yesterday <laughs> it was sunny. Today it's uh, rain expected. Let's just say if it's inclement and a bit wet on the cobbles, that certainly does open the passage for teams not involved in the Wolfpack. Okay. So non-quick step riders will have an advantage in that. Also, potentially, uh, riders that want to try and go out after a victory uh, long from the line. So we've seen in the past, uh, Matt Heyman, when he was victorious, was in the early break of the day. So that's possible in the worse weather. If it's a dry Paris Bay, it's probably more predictable. Um, and Quickstep will be able to control things until the crucial uh, Parve sectors in which they'll probably burn Lampart first. Uh, That seems to be the way they're going at the moment. Really, it's going to be difficult to beat Quickstep at the moment. I don't think they're going to win, though, because I just have these feelings following sport and the history of sport that sometimes on the pinnacle day, there's someone special performs, and we certainly usually see that for the Perry Roubaix. Okay, in, in the start list, there's uh, we knew that, but there's no Nibali, there's no Matthews, no Valverde, uh, but there is Van Avermaet, there is uh, Tepstra, it's going to be here, and Gilbert as well for Quick Step. Coming back on, on your point for, with Quick Step, do you see more Tepstra than Gilbert or more Gilbert than Tepstra? Uh, different riders, so um, Gilbert's definitely going to have to be more impressive because he's going to have to win from... Uh, he'll be more marked, so to speak. Mm. Uh, for some reason, they continue to run a risk with Terpstra. When he won the pa- uh, Paris-Roubaix, his move was fantastic. It was through the final roundabout. you come to the right, but it's a long turn, and he attacked out of the roundabout, went solo. They never saw him again. It was a brilliant ride. It was the first, probably, well, it was the, the first win that I remember of Terpstra going, this guy's really something special. Can he do it again? I think he's going to be marked this, this next well, especially weekend. Especially with what he's done this weekend. Yes. Uh, Arno Demar. But even, the... even even physically, do you think he can do both? He, he went really deep. Well, he can because he went really deep uh, two races earlier where he burnt Lampart to bits and rode away solo. 
won victorious as well. If fatigue was going to be an issue, it would have been an issue in Flanders, if anywhere else. So he certainly has no problems in performing. Um, He'll be driven to create history. And he's already joined an illustrious group of riders. I think there's only five riders that have won a Paris-Roubaix and a Flanders. So he's joined an incredible group of riders there. But Doing it in the same year? Doing it doing in the same, the same year, would year be... well, that would be incredibly special. But uh, as good as he is and as good as Quickstep are, I don't see it happening. I think someone else. Okay, Sophie, where do you see the, the race moving to? I don't actually know the statistics behind the numbers of people that have defended titles at Paris-Roubaix. I should have looked that up. I haven't. I'm, it's an easy one, but I'm looking at Greg Van Avermaet. He's made some mistakes, but he's still throughout the whole Spring Classics been around the mark, which for me is a good indication. indication. Um, but Paris-Roubaix never one that I like to... I always sit on the fence with that because you never... Excuse me? You never quite... No, no, you know... I thought we you know, made, a, you know we made an agreement that, that we can get rid of that. this fence sitting going but, on. And I'm also looking at Trex, uh, Trex Segafredo. I don't actually don't know... I haven't spoken to him, so I don't know what John Degenkolb, where he's at, because normally, like, this is uh, this is a period where he should be or wants to be at the front of the race, and he, he wasn't. It was the young guy at Flanders that was on the podium, but I never like calling it. It's the first time I covered Paris-Roubaix actually there. I remember interviewing with Matt Heyman at the end and I've never seen an athlete, not even at the Tour de France, so spent that we maybe chatted for seven minutes and I didn't use any of the interview because I wasn't, on ethical reasons, I wasn't actually sure if he even remembered okay. speaking with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, much. you're right. Mads Pearson was the most impressive ride for Trek Segrafredo. They also got uh, Jasper Stoyven, but I don't see either of them being capable. I think Stoyven will be around the mark, to probably top 15, but Mads Pearson, a lot to ask for a young rider who's really performing at his absolute best right at the moment. We saw him win a stage of the Herald Sun Tour in Bunyong earlier in the year. Um, Ardo Damar, like I said, I reckon he's a guy, if it's a decent group, maybe five or six that make it or more to the finish. If not him, I'm going to go with a very unlikable character in the peloton, Gianni Moskin. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, Sky, who, who do you see from Sky? Gianni Moskin and Nobody also else? Dylan Van Baal. So they're not going to ride for Garen Thomas? No. I, d- I don't think so. No, okay. Uh, At the start of the year, Garrett Thomas wasn't even meant to be doing Roubaix, so far as okay. I know. So he's on my temporary uh, he, no, start he's, list. He's uh, confirmed to, yeah, to okay. race it, but I don't think that was the plan in January. Okay, I will go with Oliver Nason. Yep, because you of looked course. at the top ten at Flanders. <laughs> no, 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 because, no, no, because I think AG two are our an upcoming team. Galopin is in the team. I think. Oh, well, now you're pretending to be French. Oh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, Nathan. Nathan's a really likable rider. He's doing yeah. everything right, but he looked out of sorts at Fl- Flanders. Unfortunately, he's held up twice with crashes, so it's hard to really gauge him on his result. But he just survives. He just knows how. He's cunning, really cunning rider. I really like him, and um, he, he's, he's definitely a chance. In the Belgian national colours, you know, national championship jer- national champions jerseys really do inspire the riders at this time of the year and during the Grand Tours. Uh, we spoke before about Damar as well. Obviously, he's got the French champions jersey on. With your Geraint Thomas, I think he's riding potentially in case Chris Froome isn't going to be taking part in the Tour de France this year, so... This is another... Um, Do you think so? Do you think they're trying to like, prop him up just in case? Certainly. I think they're trying to prop up several of their riders, in fact, and I think um, they're suspecting that maybe um, Chris Froome doesn't ride maybe either the Giro or the Tour de France this year. Okay. We've got uh, national jersey uh, Alexander Edmondson as well, going to be uh, racing. Uh, it would be good to see the, the national jersey on the route of uh, Roubaix. Um, what can we expect from him? I haven't spoken. I'm interviewing Luke Durbridge and Henrik Hausler 
this evening or tomorrow evening, so there'll be an Aussie update online later <laughs> later in the week. I think for him it'll just be uh, probably more a case of getting experience, learning what it's like than actually being at the pointy end of the race. So you might not actually even see him at the televised bit. People may probably see do a, He'll do a lot, yeah, in the first 100K, and then I would say call okay. it a day. That'll be his race done. Someone like Brenton Jones as well is going to be riding. Um, I mean, we have spoke about his move to to Europe, his move to France. Paris-Nice for him was one of the targets. Surely Roubaix is one of his targets as well. To at least be there. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's an incredible achievement for him to take the start line. But I have no expectations no, of no, Brenton no, Jones no. Uh, for the event. Hopefully, he gets an early breakaway. Yeah, I was about to say that, Pat. Like the EB has got to be early breakaway has got to be where he's he's sort of thinking. And you know, to get through, you get through half of the race if you get in the get in the early breakaway, and then you can if you look after yourself well, then you can pick yourself up from there and set yourself up for a you know, a good ride. I, it just just to take part is an achievement in itself for Brennan. And the other th- aspect is is that he. He is a sprinter and he wants to take part in the races coming up. Um, being in the mix of it after the hot flame mark can be very dangerous. He has a fall. It can be season end- ending or at least very detrimental. So I think being on the start list, but it also shows how much respect his team already has for him, which is great. Alex Edmondson, you mentioned him. He did ride pretty well at Flanders if it wasn't for um, on the Quermont where they where really they back off the pace and he got held up by that. Um, so did Heinrich Hausler, who rode brilliant. I think he'll be thereabouts. I think uh, Alex Edmondson, top 30. Okay, uh, we finish with the, the tour of Basque Country. Uh, Ala Philippe, two stages, two wins. Um, he's in the leader's jersey. Uh, quick step again. Pat had Pat had stat, didn't he? <laughs> no, no. Quick, yes, quick step. Uh, Ala Philippe, a level above, but Roglic, he's right there. Primoz Roglic for the uh, Lotto and Yumbo team. He's going to win the tour. I will say it there. I reckon he's got it pretty much sewn up. He's going to win the time trial probably by a fair margin. I hope Richie Port can do something in the time trial. He's uh, certainly not in the form that he would want to be at this time of the year, but I don't think he's pushing himself either. First race in a long time, um, but he's certainly out the back. But there's many of the great riders for the Grand Tours mm. are out the back. Uh, we spoke about Nibali. He rode Flanders, travelled straight to uh, Povask. Private jet directly to... And um... Kwiatkowski <laughs> also did the same. Both, um, obviously, Nibali's performing a lot better, but Kwiatkowski well down the general classification, as are all of the Sky teams. So uh, we can see aggressive racing from Sky and BMC because neither of the two teams have anyone on the general classification. But um, also hope to see maybe Michael Matthews or Jay McCarthy tonight. Okay. Be interesting. Uh, Wes, give us a, a Zwift update. Lots of things been happening uh, in the world of Zwift. Yeah, so we've uh, just launched uh, Alp de Zwift. Uh, so it's it's mimicking uh, you know the French terrain with a bit of a Zwiftness twist on it. Um, so yeah, you it's hard to say Zwiftness twist. <laughs> a bit of a Zwift twist <laughs> on say it. Say it five times fast. Go yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's uh, it's a lot a lot longer climb than than what we've previously had in the game. Um, so yeah, now now you can climb up to a thousand meters. Um, what's so what's been the reception with the with the riders? Uh, is it's it like been, whoa? Okay, well, yeah, like in the first five days, uh, we had over you know, thirty three thousand people um, take part and have a, have a have a crack at um, Alp to Zwift. So it's been quite popular, um, and everyone's everyone's keen to test themselves. Okay, Pat, have you? I know you haven't tried it yet, but I know you're very keen to try. You've seen people struggling for it. Yeah, we've got the Zwift experience in store, and I've been watching people struggle very very hard on it. <laughs> no, this Saturday, I reckon I'll give it a crack. Uh, I'll allocate some time. 
I think you've got to go into yeah. this uh, yeah. this ascent with some preparation. You'll, you'll need some time. There's 21 hairpins. So. Yeah, <laughs> I'll need time, all right, because I'm definitely not fit. But uh, tonight I will do. You no, know, the... I like to be not fit like you. That's a... <laughs> uh, yeah, it still hurts, Christophe. <laughs> it hurts. <laughs> it hurts a lot. You just it's it's, it's the uh, pride that pushes you hard, but it doesn't feel good afterwards. Um, <laughs> But I'll do the Aussie Hump Day ride tonight. It's my favourite group ride on Zwift each week, and uh, it's a good forum. You can have a chat as well. Two two laps of the circuits are, are easy, a group ride, so everyone can come along. And then there's the after party, which is always exciting. I know Wes and I have brought it out a couple of times. And you mentioned after party. People talk about the podcast as well on those, so big shout-out to people listening to this while they are struggling or not. Uh, yeah, no, certainly. There's a lot of people on there listening and um, certainly have dialogue about who they expect will take out Perry Bay tonight. Okay, and uh, uh, you know Wes run a, a marathon, pretty impressive. Like, yes, good, really so good. How was it? It was good. Like um, I was training a little bit um, seven weeks ago, out riding with Cameron Worth, um, and he's well into the triathlon scene now. He's mm-hmm. went through you know being a, a professional rower to professional cyclist, and now triathlon. So um, yeah, he was encouraging me to to do a little bit of running. So I, I did that at Zwift HQ and did a half marathon on the treadmill. And he said, well, now you can do LA Marathon with me. So I signed up. And? As and, you do. And, and guess <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, so when said, someone tells me this, I yeah. go, get out. So, <laughs> yeah, so I signed up uh, and counted the weeks ahead. I had seven weeks to train, so I started at it. Um, Cameron pulled out, um, had a bit of a knee niggle, but I was I was in for long haul. So I got through uh, in a pretty good time. I wanted to sort of set four-minute Ks, and I almost held that in four minutes and four seconds per K. So two hours, wow. 52. So I qualified for Boston and New York. Not that I was trying to do anything, but run <laughs> it. But will you? Will you go? Uh, I guess so. Like that's for next year for 2019. Yeah, I, I could. I could take part in those. So I've got a bit more prep time, which would be nice. Okay. Yeah. Well, other... I feel properly useless sitting in the middle today. Yeah, but like 80, 80%... I'm on the other side as well. Like, yeah. I'm thinking pizza for lunch. Eighty like, percent yeah. <laughs> of my my training was on Zwift as well. So that was Zwift running. That was the main inspiring thing for me. To if I I need to understand running, so that's partly why I took play, took part in it. Okay. Any maybe other... if we lift the pizzas above yeah, our maybe. heads, and do like a tricep. Yeah, exactly. Done. Any other news? Uh, uh, just the uh, Zwift uh, tours coming up as well. So yes. we're kicking off um, in Auckland on the 13th of uh, April. And then after that, we'll have Pat, who will be emceeing in Melbourne event. So that'll be on the 20th of April. Uh, and that'll be I at just the Raff. got my ticket. By be, yeah, you've got my your tickets. Ticket. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can, you can access that if you search uh, through Eventbrite or go to Zwift.com slash tour. Uh, you can find out the uh, the venues and the dates. So that will be in Melbourne at the uh, Rafa Clubhouse uh, on the 20th of April. And then we'll be in Sydney at All Press, uh, which are linked with Rafa also, at All, All Press Cafe in Sydney. And then after that will be at the Green Beacon um, Brewery on the 4th of May in Brisbane. But I've got some... It's been a fantastic time for Australian cycling recently, in particular names that... Probably, probably a lot of people don't uh, look out for. First one that's at the top of my list is Nick Schultz. Now, incredible ride. He ran third in GP Miguel in Durain. The winner, Alejandro Valverde. Second place was uh, Carlos Verona from Mitchell and Scott. But in that top ten was also Quintana, Soler, Zacharin and Spilak. This kid is brilliant and yeah. uh, keep an eye on him. So he rides for Kaya Ruel for people who want to follow him. Nearly two months no racing for Rob Stannard, 19-year-old, goes to Mitchells and Scott next year. He uh, took second in uh, Trofeo Piva, and then he won Giro Belvedere 
uh, in about three days. So he's flying, and after two months of no racing, um, and the last one was Ben Dival and the St. George Continental Cycling Team. They do really well in Asia, but Ben finished third in the general classification at uh, Langkawi earlier in the, um, the year. And last night he won the, the third stage of the Tour of Thailand. So he's taken over the general classification there. So Aussies that we don't sort of listen out for too much, but they're all doing really great things. Absolutely. Uh, it was great to have you guys here. Thanks, Sophie. Thanks, Wes. And thanks, uh, thanks, Pat. I think you have to the Com game, are you? Yeah, Saturday, take off for the <laughs> Com game. So looking forward to, to uh, commentating the road race and time trial on the ground uh, at Crumber Beach. Okay. And this is it for the uh, Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast for this week. Uh, thanks to all our guests. Thanks to you for uh, listening and participating as well. We like your, your tweets on uh, the uh, Cycling Central Twitter. Uh, this is brilliant. Thanks uh, and keep them coming. Um, next podcast will be in a fortnight. Until then, remember you can uh, listen to this podcast or any other podcast we've already done on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, right side and we'll catch you in a fortnight. Bye for now. Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.